This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. Hello and welcome back to the Wombles had a dream podcast. This is going to be episode one of the new season 2122. My name is Lee Finch. Uh, Unfortunately, Jamie couldn't be with us tonight. He was due to be on, but he's uh, currently working. Well, he says he is. Uh, Tonight, I'm joined by... Danny Baker and Chris Fault. How are we doing, boys? How's your uh, off-season been? Yeah, great. Great to be back, Lee, and just looking forward to the Donny away on Saturday now, to be honest, mate. Yeah, good to be back, Lee. Just enjoying watching the Olympics. Going to try and find out. There's a guy doing the open swimming, isn't it, from Wimbledon? It's been yeah, Wimbledon times, so I'm going to try and watch him at some point. Yes, that's correct. I've uh, What's his name? It's uh, Hector Pardu. Or Pardo, I don't know. I'm literally rubbish at pronouncing names. But let's hope the uh, Pard does well. Hopefully, we'll bring a gold back, and then he can get on the pitch at Plough Lane. That's how it works, isn't it? If he brings yeah. a silver and bronze, then he ain't welcome. Gold only. <laughs> yeah. Piers Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, I'm in the Piers Morgan camp. What's the point of third? Uh, you might have some fan- fantastic like guests. You could have like the boxer, got the Olympian. It's all kicking off at Plough Lane when we open it up. Mm. Fantastic. But I'm with, I see a thing the other day, I think a lot of people are speaking, but you know, like the Olympians, everyone's like, oh, I could do that. You know what I mean? Weightlift, like horsing, and I could do the horsing stuff and all that. I think they should have a normal person do the Olympic event to say like, how hard it is. So 100 metre swim, butterfly, and then get me to do it. And then I do it in like a day. And then they get like Adam Peaty to do it in like 10 seconds. You doing the beach volleyball in your thong. It would be <laughs> yeah, enough to put off the rest so I mean, of just get there. normal people to show how hard literally these events are. Because it is that people go, oh, that's easy. I could do that. Sitting on my sofa, eating a kebab game. Well, I could do that dressage stuff with them horses. Who can't make the horse dance? You know what I mean? And then it's yeah. like 20 stone man trying to make a horse go around the, the mm. thing. Anyway, right. We've gone off subject. But tonight, we're going to be discussing uh, pre-season, how it's been, uh, our new players and new coach that we've got on loan. Uh, and then we'll move on to Plough Lane, the prices for food and drink at Plough Lane the stadium card and general sale of Bolton tickets. And then we'll have 
a couple of honest questions from fans that we'll give some honest answers to. So if we kick off with pre-season, how do we think pre-season has gone so far? Are you a big lover of pre-season? Do you look into it? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't mind going to, to all the non-league grounds that we used to, to go to when we were at that level. But at the same time, I do obviously like to see us get results and stuff like that. So I can't sit here and lie and say, oh, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind when we lost those games because I think, you know, and I think the players in themselves would know that they could have done better. Um, but at the same time, I definitely saw signs where I could see the potential that this side has, especially with some of the new players coming in. McCormick in particular, he's looked really bright in every game I've seen him, to be fair. Um, so that was an exciting thing to see. Um, yeah, I don't think you can judge, judge it too much. But um, at the same time, I think everyone would say that we'd rather have had a better pre-season than we did in the end. Yeah, I don't buy too much into pre-season. I mean, we've had a number of years where we've actually done quite well pre-season. We've had Premier League teams on the ropes. We beat Watford one year and we looked really, really decent. And then all of a sudden we get back into into a league situation and it all, all changes. And obviously what it's about is betting in those players. It is about fitness. But as, as Chris said, at the same time, you do want them to do well. And I think the lack of goals is something that I know it's... It is pre-season and it is about fitness, but it'll be it'll be something that I think is um yeah could be a highlight coming through. Anyway, go on, Lee. Yeah, I totally agree. I think pre-season is all about fitness for me and 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 finding formations out, trialing things, putting players in different positions like Asal now maybe be our number ten, see how that goes because it might not work. So we put him in number ten where I think he's better as a winger, but we're trialing different things. I, my worry, I have a big worry, which I keep getting. Uh, ripped to pieces about is where we're going to score goals from, where we're not scoring goals in pre-season. You want your strikers firing in pre-season to then go on to the start of the season. I, I know it's not a big deal because Doncaster, we could smash them and or get smashed. But yeah, pre-season for me is just about fitness and just trying different things really and different solutions and stuff of how we're going to change games around as, as Robbo's said previously he's not one on just one formation in a game he, he might want us to play three or four different formations and just change it around to to combat our opposition but yeah I'm not a big I don't read too much into pre-season I think we'll be fine if we look at the players we've brought in hold on Lee just one sec do you think we've got the right blend of matches in pre-season I know it's it's a bit of a coming from left field but we get the, the game before our first league game we play Scunthorpe We've had, I don't know how many proper games of football we've had before we started. I don't know whether or not you should build up to the point. And I wasn't at Scunthorpe, so maybe Chris was there and you can elaborate. But I wonder whether we've had the right blend of, you get the double games with youth players playing as well. I'm just curious as to whether you guys think we've got the right blend in a, in, a, in the pre-season. Yeah, I, I don't think we did, actually. I agree with what you're saying. That's a great point, Dan. I, I don't think we did. I don't think COVID... The ground needing a test event helped because we had to get someone in to, to play that. And I think we went to Scunthorpe and someone at Cox that we knew and said, look, do you want to bring a team down to play at Plough Lane so we can get that done? Uh, I went to the Dartford game and I thought we played them off the park, but again, didn't look like we were going to score. They, they scored a great goal. And we played quite a lot of non-league teams. And I, I kind of thought that was just a bed in, see how well our youth team players can do before we send them on loan or 
or get them out on loan. I, I don't. Who did, did we play? Any? We played Brentford. Sorry, that was the only Premier League team. I keep forgetting their Premier League team. Uh, but yeah, I think we played Brentford and we played well in stages in that game. But that was the only one you'd think you had Brentford last or something. But I don't think. Again, I know we said it a lot last year. COVID. And I don't think the player lane situation helped with who we... Because uh, I'd love to have us to have a proper big game at Plough lane. But again, COVID's screwed that, really. Yeah, I think we just got to save that that one for Bolton. Though. At least we know now that we can have, you know, well, we need 6,000 minimum. I'm sure way more than that will turn up. So, yeah, that's that's definitely one to look forward to. Um, but no, I, I don't know if he said... I'm pretty sure he said it in public, but Robbo did say that he didn't have the preseason game structured as he wanted to, as in usually you wouldn't have someone like Brentford first. You'd have someone like Brentford later on. Yeah. Um, so perhaps there's something a bit more to that um, that he might elaborate on uh, meet the manager on Thursday. Who knows? But yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it's been a bit of a strange preseason, especially because the preseason we had last season, if you like, was was just like yeah, completely behind closed doors. I think we didn't play too many games actually. If I remember rightly, I think we had one or two. There was one at Leatherhead, one at Crypton Casual. So, yeah, it's just sort of getting used to it again. And, and obviously, as the restrictions have come down, it's um, it's sort of get, getting back into that habit of arranging your pre-season again. And, and obviously, if, if, you, if you arrange to play one team and then some of their players have to isolate, you've got to find yeah, some no, other opposition yeah, from elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's so many different things. But, yeah, I'm just glad that it's out of the way now. We can get on with what matters is getting off to a good start in the league and, and hopefully progressing in the in the Carabao Cup because I think that's a competition we never usually do that well in. Yeah, I think you're right there. Again, with regards to isolating, we haven't had touch wood any players that have had to isolate yet, uh, which is good. Hampton was nearly called off because I think they had a few <coughs> that had to go off and isolate. Uh, just be, yeah, the meet the manager is going out tonight Why this, this goes out, so it'd be tonight that we'll have to meet the manager uh, and hopefully he'll elaborate a bit on some of the preseason and why we did things. Uh, going back to the players, we signed uh, what is it? Seven players and one coach. Do you think we have the right blend of players coming? Do you, are you happy with the players that have come in? I'll start off off with like the coach James Simmons. I think that's a great deal. To be fair, I don't, I, I don't realize why te- I've never realized why teams have never done it before. It just seems yeah. like why wouldn't you bring someone in who's coaching some very, very good young talent at Chelsea and yeah. come in and go to a first team? You know what I mean? It's like Rob Tuvey's now stepped straight up into the first team as assistant manager. And you think, yeah, that's right, to be fair. He's, he's good at the role he's doing. He, he obviously gets on with the players. But yeah, James Simmons has come in and I think I think that's a great move because said, he's, he's worked with some of the best players at Chelsea. But also, you, I know we'll elaborate later on some of the players, but you wonder whether or not we would have got one of the players we'll talk about if we haven't got him, I'd be interested to see whether there's a, a cheeky link in that, which if, if he's good and he comes off, then it's a, it's a fantastic, fantastic scout. And like I said, it's a bit weird. You've got a quality player or a quality manager or a quality coach. And it's abundantly clear. We have, we still haven't quite managed to, he hasn't got the, probably the assistant coach that he wanted. I'm pretty sure he wanted the, uh, the guy with a Man United Cochrane. I'm pretty sure that he was the guy that we're looking at, but he's gone there. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's a fantastic move. And hopefully, He's here till January and, yeah, then we see what happens then. But it's a bit, yeah, interesting, very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, and you you said there about one of the players we got, uh, Lawrence, that we've got in from Chelsea on loan. 
I, I've not seen much of him. I don't know much about him. I know he was at Scunthorpe. People said to me, he went to the game, said he looked nervous, which going to be his, his, his first men's game. Uh, but by all accounts, he's he's brilliant at the under-23 level. Can he step into men's football? It's a big if. As I've seen, I see Presley play at Dartford and that was a wake-up call, for, I think, for him. Going from under-23 to men's football. Two absolute disgusting brutes of centre-backs who just kicked him about the place and he didn't really know how to deal with it. Obviously, that will come. Hopefully, like with Palmer next to him, that will come. But yeah, what do you think of them two, the two loanings that we got, Lawrence and Presley? Um, I think Presley's going to need time. I think it's different in the sense that people are obviously going to compare him to Marcus Force just because he's come from Brentford. And it's I think harsh, it'd be wrong though. to do that. Really harsh, though. Enforced yeah, I know. Must have won it. But I think I think people, we're always gonna we're always gonna have that. You know, it's just a natural thing in football. I mean, people immediately, excuse me, immediately look at him, look at him as a, a replacement for Joe Piggott instead of just being Aaron Presley. They think he's Aaron Presley who has to go and score twenty two goals, mm. not just Aaron Presley in his first senior season. You know, as a professional player, so it will take him time, and. Um, Saw Robert after the Hampton Richmond game, and he said to, to me and a few others that he thinks it would take, you know, a few games for him to actually settle into the level and, and get used to the physicality of it, as, as we saw at Dartford Lee. Um, and to be fair, when I saw him against Woking, he looked like a changed player. He was making a lot more runs into the channels instead of just saying central. So he was giving the centre halves more to think about. Because if you're just sitting, standing on the centre halves, you know, when we were playing one up top, you know, you're not you're not going to win the header nine times out of ten because you've got two men up against you, and you're just there on your on your own. So his movement definitely improves against Woking, and in, you know, in more competitive games, team more teams are going to go for it. And there's going to be more space for us to exploit either on the counter attack or when we have possession. So I do think it's going to take time with him. Same with Lawrence. You know, there's no guarantee he's going to start every game over. Che Alexander, who's obviously very experienced at this level and I think had a half-decent season last, last season, obviously was in and out of the team because of Luke O'Neill. Um, but I think with Lawrence, he's got the advantage of the fact that he can play in several different positions. I think when we announced the signing, they said that he could play in a back three as a centre-half, obviously as right-back, which seems to be his best position, then in other midfield positions as well. So I think that's a sort of area that he's going to help himself to improve even more because I think players tend to improve a lot more when they experience different positions instead of the same sort of positions every week. Um, so, yeah, you know, same, same with a lot of our squad. They're all really young. So it's just about having a bit of patience with them, really. He definitely gives us the opportunity. I, I don't know. I, I dread to say 5-3-2 or 3-5-2 after the Glenn Hodges travesty near the end. But he does give us the opportunity to potentially do that. Uh, again, with any of these younger loan players, they are going to be gambles. I think we kind of we've, we've kind of got to the point now where a gamble, but it's got to be an educated one. I mean, if you're scoring the amount of goals that Presley scores, he can't be crap. He can't be. And if he is crap, then we've. I don't think there's nothing more we could do. I think Lawrence comes with such a high rep. The thing I was worried about Lawrence actually was the social media stuff. It was relentless. It was the hype was massive, and I thought, crikey, give the, like you're talking about not replacing Pickett. I was like, give this boy a chance, mate. Seriously, like, it's coming in like the new Cafu. I was like, this is ridiculous. But I'm hoping it, they'll be good. But as far as 
pedigree of loan players go, so far these two are right up there compared to last year's or the year before's. And I think that's that's a huge positive and a huge cap off to, to Robbo for all the hard work he's been doing. So, yeah, exciting to see them both. Whether they're going to be enough for us to kick on, um, time will tell. I think you're right, with Danny, with what you just said there, that the pedigree of these two players are much better than what we've seen before. And, and we're getting them from bigger clubs like Chelsea. I think this is one of the first times we've had a loan player from Chelsea, I believe. Uh, it is funny what you said about the social media stuff. I think it's the first signing we've had that it's been announced by his sister and not by our <laughs> yeah, club, which kind of, you know, I've, I've, I've been critical of our media team, but maybe they should employ her and we'd get news a little my bit quicker. My sister would never, ever launch my signing. I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't know how he feels about it, but yeah, he must have been like, it, it was a bit of a shock for us, but... Yeah, I'm quite excited by the two of them. As I said, I saw President Dartford and it was a bit of a shock, I think, for him to go right. As I said, Dartford's a different level. You've got two ugly players who have probably played at all levels and probably played a lot of non-league, so they know all the nasty stuff you can kind of get away with. Moving on, two players I'm really, really excited about next season is McCormick, who, again, another one we've signed from. He's done really well at Bristol Rovers, signed him from Chelsea. And, and that was a shock for me. I thought we might be getting him on loan and we signed him full-time. And the other one was George Marsh. I, I think we've actually replaced Dobson in George Marsh. Really? I don't think he's as good as Dobson yet, but give him a season and I think he will be. What's he the is... difference between the two then, do you think? What's Dobson, what does Dobson do that Marsh... Is, is, is Marsh quite tall? Is he? He's short. He's not tall. Short. He's, really, he's, he's really quite small. He's box to box. I think he'll have a goal in him. He loves a tackle. Where Dobson differs is Dobson's got a lot of experience. I know Dobson, when he was with us, he was 24, I think he is. But he's played at Walsall. He's played relegation battles at Walsall. Yeah, he was captain at Walsall. Yeah, gone to, yeah. gone to Sunderland. Kind of had a bit of a shock up there and, and and then come to us. Had a really good six months with us and now gone to Charlton where he's experienced. George has played for Spurs. Again, he's gone on loan at Orient and things like that. So he knows League, he knows league 2 and stuff. So he knows how to play against men. Uh, and that's a battle in League 2. I just think George Marsh. I, I'm actually more excited about Marsh than I am about McCormick. How old is Marsh? 21, I think. Still quite, so he's still, again, I mean, none of our lot are particularly old anyway, but he's quite young. Yeah, yeah. And he's, for me, he's going to be what Wimbledon fans love. And 22. I think, 22. 22. All right. Yeah, I not far off. But him and, I think him and Woodyard are going to be brilliant next to each other. And then McCormick, I think he's going to be the flair that we missed. And hopefully he will score goals and assists. Everyone's saying, my only worry is everyone saying, like, my worry was where the goal's going to come from. And people said, don't worry, McCormick has scored goals. He scored six for Bristol Rovers last year out of 36 games. That's not a great return. Uh, the other thing to bear in mind, Lee, as well, I mean, I, that we need to put it this way. We're not just replacing either Piggott goals. We've got Longman. And I'm just yeah. on the table here. 21 for Piggott. That includes five assists. Longman yeah. is eight. Yep. That's two assists. That's 29. Just the scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Plus, we want to do better than next last year. So, realistically speaking, if you want to go further, you've got to look at potentially conceding five less. I mean, we were minus 14. You'd want to get that down to as close to evens as possible. So, we've got to find, for me, from last year, at least another 30 with the yeah. guys that are coming in. And maybe, do you think, it sounds. It seems like. Do you know when Moneyball when they get the guy on the base and it's like, <laughs> what's the number he gets on base? It just seems like we can't get it from one player, so we're going to try and get it around, around everyone, which makes so much sense, provided that you do it. And if you don't do it, 
yeah it's a, it's an issue i think um i was the sort of season that i set as a benchmark was our was it first season or second season in league one let me just um the first season we did the best didn't we the second one, the I, I know what you're saying because regards to the signings with May, I'm looking and thinking, right, McCormick will get a few goals. Is he going to get the same as Longman? Possibly, possibly he could. Uh, Presley, we're hoping he's going to score goals, and we're hoping that he's going to score at least 15. I'm guessing he's got, to, he's got, to, he's got to, who else is going to score? You're going to, I know, gonna, mate, but are you putting Palmer about, scoring 15 goals? We're talking about, I think, I think Palmer's Palmer. capable of getting double figures, definitely. Palmer, definitely. Could, Palmer's yeah, definitely. capable of double figures. Presley's got to be, I mean, 15. Will, will, Palmer, will Palmer stay fit for a whole season to score double figures? That's well, let's the hope problem. so. We don't know. That's the we're thing. in a world of trouble. Yeah, that's something up our sleeve. Yeah. Massive rumour that we're signing another striker, a Premier League, young player, Premier League player. That's a massive rumour coming out now. No one knows who. Mm. Uh, but we do, we are light up front and... I said Presley and McCall. I said Marshall will get you a few goals, but yeah, go on mm. in, Chris. What you, sorry, mate. What you yeah, what was good? Yeah, I just rejogged my breath, my memory and sort of remember what season it was. It was the first season we were back in League One. Um, I think that sets the benchmark because we had three strikers who hit double figures that season. You had Taylor, Elliot, and Polly on. So I think that has to be the benchmark. Really, we need three players to hit double figures instead of just relying on one player to to hit. You know. Fair play to Pig at the final season was probably his best Incredible. in a Wimbledon shirt. Yeah, 22 goals um, in between, obviously, change of managers and changing the way, the style of play. He'd done that well. Um, yeah, I think if we can get three players in double figures, then we'll, we should have a really good season um, and hopefully be far more comfortable than we were last season and not need to, uh, you know, have playoff form in the last quarter to stay up. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that certainly sets the benchmark. And, and yeah, I, I do think Palmer can hit double figures. Obviously, people are going to be concerned about his fitness. Fair enough. I'm sure he wants to stay as fit as possible as well. Um, but that's, you know, that's something that you can only control so much. You know, it's a physical game. You're always going to have chances of picking up injuries, especially as you get later on into your career. Um, not saying that Palmer's, you know, sort of diminishing because he's getting older. Just because he's not 21, Chris, eh? Doesn't, well, mean, yeah, exactly. doesn't mean that he's yeah. rubbish, all right? He's, um, <laughs> you know, we, we see him as old and, and, and Woodyard as old, but they're not old at all, really. Not, none of our squad uh, are in their 30s apart from Charles, I believe. So, yeah, let's just hope that he stays fit and, and gets double figures. I'm, I'm sure he will. I hope, I hope I'm proved right. And, and just on the subject of Palmer scoring goals, Lee, I'll make sure that Titch puts on his... Uh, Princess outfit for Palmer when he queen. sees him this season. Queen. So. He's a queen, queen outfit. Doncaster away. If you see a guy in a queen outfit, his name is Richard Cassells, Titch. Uh, he didn't back Ollie Palmer last season. He's pretty much Shame a bad... He's a bad, Wimbledon, he's a bad Wimbledon fan, to be fair. So, yeah, just throw something at him, like fruit <laughs> or something. Do you know what I mean? But moving on to the last three players... Oh, the other thing, is, Lee, just on the last on, bit mate. of the Palmer thing... Piggott played the thing. Other thing about Piggott, never injured that guy. He was very. He played a lot, and I think that that's the other thing that will be interesting this year. We had Piggott played forty eight. Was involved in forty eight games last year, which is a massive amount. Palmer was about was in fifteen, and they had the whole season. That will be the continuity, and I think with Piggott going to Ipswich, and again, I think 
It's an interesting move for him, considering the amount of forwards they bought in. That that is very very interesting. That must have been a fair few quid for him, bless him. So good luck to him. But the sheer continuity of knowing that Piggott was up front every single game, where I'd, I'd it would be amazing if we have that this year. So that might be a positive or a negative, but I think that was the other thing we'll definitely miss is the fact that every game Piggott was on the was on the team sheet more or less. Every I don't even remember him being injured last year, and that's something we're definitely going to miss this year. No, I think you're right. And you think you look through the years when we've had goal scorers. Taylor wasn't injured much. He played pretty much all the time. Elliot, at the end of the season, he was injured when he wanted to move and he was scoring. Uh, you look before that, Kedwell, Maine, they were never injured. They were scoring goals. And I think that's what we need this year. I think we need our two strikers not to be injury or suspended and 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 score goals. But if Piggle was out of 10 games last year, we could have got relegated. That's yeah. That's the reality of it. We're, so, relying, we're relying on two strikers at the moment, which is a worry for me. But definitely. moving on to the last three players, and I, I'm leaving these to last because I don't think they're going to be playing much. Well, Cosgrove, won't. He's, he's on loan to Dover, which I think is a great move if he can go score goals in the conference, which is a tough league. Dover's league got cancelled last year where they, they didn't play. They, they furloughed all their players and refused to play. So I think that's a good move for him. Charles, I think he's come back more for the his social side and his philosophy more than anything. I don't think he'll be playing as much. Uh, I think he's, he's a class player. I loved him when he was with us and I hope he plays 40 games, but I can't see it. And the shot one for me was the goalkeeper, Zach Aluiala. I can't pronounce it. Zachy, I call him. Zachy, that's the one. I think that's what they call him, which was a surprise for me because he's been at the club seven years training. He's not been doing good enough in them seven years to get a contract previously. Uh, I get the reasons behind it because how many times does a, a reserve goalkeeper or sub-goalkeeper play? It's not often, to be fair. And he's probably come in as a cheap option. So, fair play to him. I hope he does well. How will it uh, work with the rules with that? On the fact, do you know when you've got the young, young backup guy and he hasn't played any league football and you can get an emergency loan? He hasn't played any league football at all. So, is he? But is he too old enough that he, he can play if we get an injury? Or can we get an emergency loan despite having him? Does anyone know? I, I think we can still get an emergency loan. I, th- yeah. I think we would be able to get an emergency loan. Mm. I, I just guess we signed him because we trust him. He's been around yeah. the club Maybe seven three. years. It's Maybe the longest football trial I've ever seen him or I've heard of. Seven-year trial. But he's going to be cheap. Uh, I don't think he's going to be coming on loads of money. Uh, and, and good luck to him. I, I, I don't see him playing many games. No, he's he seems very athletic and good. And uh, as I said, we all know what Charles can do. So... Yeah, I, I think them last three, I think, yeah, for money-wise, they're, they're probably going to be all right. I think I think just with the respect to the goalkeeping situation, I think we've covered ourselves really well because obviously we didn't... Obviously, we knew that bigger clubs were interested in, in Cox. You know, most people knew that as pretty public knowledge. But I don't think we expected to lose them this summer. So I know Robbo spoke about potentially loaning them out. So at least we've covered ourselves by having two goalkeepers in. Because I think it would be a bit worrying if we did get to this point and we we only had Zanath. Um, you know, it's good to have backup and it's good to have someone who knows. You know, he I think he knows that he is going to be backup, but he's happy to step in at the same time. So, you know, who knows? Could prove a lot of people wrong. You know, I'm I'm going to reserve sort of judgment on him for now because obviously only seen him in a couple of preseason games and um, obviously don't really know how much he's going to be involved once the season kicks off, but. At least we've got backup. I think that's uh, the main sort of takeaway from that signing. Can I bring up something about Cox? Is it all right? Yeah, of course. How it works. 
Can I bring up something about Cox? Matthew Cox, can I make that absolutely clear? Um, we were told at the very, very beginning with Robbo that he made a really big public thing. We all got behind him about not selling our prize assets. And he made it really clear about long contracts, looking after people, etc. And we've got to the first big window and arguably one of our biggest commodities is gone. Um, bit curious as to the, the, uh, maybe, again, it's hard to know. Brennan Mannion just today signed for Cambridge, which is interesting going back. Um, but I'm just curious as to where you guys sit with that and how much is enough? How I mean, obviously, I know it's undisclosed. So we're never going to know. I presume there's a big sign on. But w- where do we sit? Are we are we okay with that? Considering what the what the what was said, or are we just you know what this is where we are now and that's how we operate? Thing is, I think with what Robbo has said is spot on. But with Cox, I think it was out of his hands. He, okay. he he. I don't think he was signing another contract, and he was out of contract. If I'm, I think next this season would have been his last season, and then he would have been a free agent to go. So if he he's ain't signed, isn't he? So if, if he's under twenty three, the contract thing, you still get paid out, don't you? Yeah, but it goes to a tribunal, and we're not probably going to oh, get the get money. And, and I don't think in a tribunal you can get all the clauses in. I think you just right. get a straight up fee. You just get oh, compensation. Really? Yeah, you'll oh, get. Right. Okay. You'll right. get a compensation fee, but we wouldn't have got the clauses. So I don't think the fee is as much as we think it was going to be, and as much as we wanted. But I think with all the clauses in, if he does make it as a a good professional and he maybe plays for England one day, which mm. they think he will, we'll, we'll make a hell of a lot of money out of it. And that's where we're going to make our money. So I think he had one season left, which is this season. And then he was out of contract and we would have lost him on a compensation deal, which would have been about a hundred grand. Yeah. I think, I think you got to look at it from, from the player's perspective. He's just moved to, you know, a club, which is pretty up and coming, obviously just got to the Premier League. Great reputation for developing young players always giving them a sort of pathway, you know, there's every chance that he might go out on loan to another football league club, um, either this season or in the next. And at the same time, we, we've got a really good fee. You know, I don't I don't know the fee personally. Um, we've got a really good fee for a player who hasn't played a senior game. And, um, you know... Well, so we like, know we've got that fee, though. That's the key, is that... You're, I personally would have thought we'd have got a low fee, but the guarantee of Presley, because it was very coincidental that... Cox went, Presley was relatively quick, either before or straight after. Whether that was a bit of a, yeah, this guy's in with 10, but I'll tell you what, mm. we'll, we'll grease your palms that way. But that's the interesting thing, without the yeah. without knowing, I mean, maybe you know more than I do, but I don't know how much money you get for a keeper. A quarter of a million, maybe? I mean, God knows. So it'd be interesting to see, yeah, the, the, like I said, the bigger scheme of it, how it'll work out. See, all I was going to say is, you know, aside, aside from Cox, probably Sibic and Ryan Sweeney are the ones that we got a lot of money for and they were both academy products and you know Civic I think in the end played 19 senior games for us before we sold them to Barnsley and I thought at the time that was a great deal for a player who, yeah who that was a good deal for Civic that experience and and same with Sweeney I think he played a similar amount maybe like 22 games during the uh, around the promotion season that got us into League One so at the end of the day you know if, if the money's good enough and you know obviously we're in a position where We've got a stadium to pay for, yeah. And if yeah, someone's yeah. offering that kind of money, I think I think it's the right right deal. And I wish him all the best. I hope he hope he goes on to the sort of level that all of our coaching team and, and Basel in particular think he's going to go to. So yeah, no, I think it was good overall. Yeah, last point before we move on, boys, is I think with Cox as well is he's moving. He's not going to be moving house. He's going to be probably staying in the same house. 
And, and with Brentford, they've where they don't really got the youth academy anymore or reserve. They've got Brentford B, and then it goes to Brentford. I, I can't see Brentford being in the Premier League after one season, so they'll be back in the Championship. He's then got a great chance to then be a Championship footballer uh, like Aaron Ramsdale kind of thing. So that's I think it's a good move for him, and I think we get a good fee and, and sell-ons, and, and 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 I think we have to take it. As I said, I know what you were saying, Danny, about putting our like younger players on better contracts, but I think that was out of his hands with Cox. But anyway, we'll move on. And when we come back, we'll discuss Plough Lane, the prices for food and drink at the Scunfall game, the stadium card and the general sale of tickets for Bolton. Right, so we're back and we're going to be discussing Plough Lane, the prices for food and drink. Uh, many people saw the prices at the Scunfort game. I wasn't there, but I did see the prices. Uh, we're going to discuss the stadium card and should that give you priority for tickets and not just money off. And then we'll be discussing the general sale for Bolton. Should it have gone to general sale or should it have opened up to the stadium card fans, Don's Trust members, friends and families? Or is general sale a good thing because then that will open it up to the wider fan bases and get new fans in. But on the flip side... Will we then have trouble with maybe Bolton fans getting tickets in the home and if they can't get them from their club uh, and going forward, Charlton, Portsmouth and the team from up the road getting tickets in the home and if they go on general sale. Uh, so we'll start with the prices for food and drink, boys. I'll, I'll start us off. I think £4.50 for a pie is too high. I think £2.50 for a coffee, which is from a instant coffee tub with a bit of hot water is too high. I think they they don't need to be that high. We we could go a totally different route. Uh, and I think people are going to be drinking elsewhere with the pubs, restaurants and the facilities outside the ground being like you go Wimbledon, you go Ellsfield, Tooting. You know, there's so many different places. People say, oh, you're going to buy. If you look at the prices outside the ground, they're probably just about the same price or a little bit more expensive but you're going to be buying the atmosphere of a pub, the atmosphere of a restaurant than going to a football game. Go on in, Danny, yeah? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm unashamedly on footballstadiums.co.uk, they've got a list of the prices. <laughs> right, so we could play higher or lower if you like, it could turn it into a game show, <laughs> but I won't. The highest price pie <laughs> is £3.80. So we're going to now be the highest price. We will price. be over it by quite a lot. Yeah. For me... I, again, I, I can. It's a bit of a mad debate, to be honest. But I, th- I think for the tea and coffee, it, it's scandalous. Two pound fifty sounds a lot. The Stadium Alive, which is Sunday, is two thirty. Just so you know, because um, mm. obviously I, I've delved in deep. And then <laughs> like beers, it's yeah. I mean, there's a cup. It's four quid the most. I mean, yes, we're in London, but at the same time, you're going to football. If you're going to buy stuff at football grounds, it's going to cost you money. That's part one. Part two, we. we it's abundantly clear with stadium cards, 25-year season tickets, the benches, the, the club clearly are desperately in need of that amount of money to keep us going. And unfortunately, for me, like when you, whenever anyone who works in charities or fundraising, it's the same money. You're getting the same money. Me and my dad are going to pay spend the same amount of money with the same person. We need to diversify our income, hence what we've got London Broncos. So, yes, it is expensive. However... I'm pretty sure people will just stamp it up, but it is a shame that it couldn't be 
somewhat more affordable. But my question, I guess, is so with a stadium card, do you get a discount on that or not? If you had a stadium card, I mean, I've got a stadium card, it's like 450 or but it's 480 or 450 if you've got a stadium card. I mean, I don't know if it works, but... I, I could be wrong here. I don't think it does. I don't think it gives you discounts to food and drink. I think it just gives you discounts for uh, match tickets. But again, I could be totally wrong. I've not looked into the stadium card too much. I just know that it's not... It's I've got it here. The stadium card benefits second in the priority pyramid right after Cincy Golds to buy tickets for cup matches. That's not league. Yeah. It's discounts on match day tickets, yeah. exclusive offers on merchandise and regular club newsletters okay. with exclusive content and partner offers. So it doesn't give you any any discount on food okay. and drink. One thing I saw is the pie looked brilliant. Don't get me wrong, it would look like a lovely pie. It was the same pie as in the hospitality suite as it was in the stand for the paying customers. So I get it, The pie that pie should be in a hospitality suite. People are paying money for a decent pie. I know people say, oh, I want to go to a game and watch and I have decent food. But I say most people, myself, I don't, I would eat a pucker pie if I'm hungry at a football game and I'll pay 250 for it. I don't want to be, I, don't, I get it, it's gourmet and all this, but. But is it though? Is it, is it, I mean, the, pie the pies and pie. the burgers are gourmet apparently, so. And what yeah. about the Nescafe? Is that the gourmet? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. There are other coffee brands available. So before oh, we get sued by Nescafe. Do you know what I mean? Cheers, Dan. But right. yeah, it could be, it could be. Buy first, find your income. What can I say? What's the, what's the tea bags? Are we having like South London tea bags? Pete, like what? I don't get it. I don't know. But two fifty for a cup of tea or a coffee that's, that's is shambles, yeah. is a lot of money. And but I get the beer like... prices, but some of the like people are moaning about the beers. To be fair, I, again, I'm at a football game. I'll drink whatever is there. I've I, I've never been to like Morecambe away and thought, oh, they haven't got IPA on tap, but. Hopefully the pub's going to be different. At no, I'm not being funny. Looking at, so I've got the drinks options that just someone helpfully took a picture of them when they're at the game. Budweiser, Stella. I don't remember getting Stella in a concourse at any away game in League One before. Magnus and Guinness. Guinness. I don't remember that being on any football concourse. I don't know about you boys. Guinness it depends is, if you like it or not. Obviously, Guinness is a ridiculous one to put on because it takes about yeah. half hour to pour. You're going to miss most of the game. And then you've got Camden Parallel and then three different types of wine as well. So you've got a decent range there and I think it's better than the usual sort of Carlsberg or, or Foster's or Carlin that you usually get at Scunthorpe away or wherever yeah. you end up watching watching Don. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously stuff that the club needs to take on board. I mean, the only food that I was sort of critical of was the sausage roll being £4.50. I think that's a bit of a joke. Um, obviously, I did try to buy one and they didn't have any in stock, but I knew they didn't have high stocks anyway. I think they made that clear before the game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that we can obviously take on board. You know, the season hasn't started yet. We're, we haven't got a home game for two weeks, so there's still plenty of time to review these prices. But at the same time, obviously, we need to be making money. And this is the first season where we can really maximise getting to. money out of food and drink. You yeah, think at King's Meadow, we used to have, what was it, one burger van outside, one in one corner, about, what, three burger vans in the whole ground. We've probably got how many, four? Yep. Yeah. How so many my, food kiosks in this ground? Like My problem with like, maximising the... the pro I know we have to make money <laughs> stuff, but we are, are we going to make money if we're going to be the most expensive for food in the 
in yeah. the country in our league. Do you know what I mean? I don't think if if we want people to come in, we should make it reasonably priced that people will go. Actually, I will have the pint at the club yeah. instead of like at Kings Meadow. A lot of people would go and get tins from around the corner shop because yeah. one they couldn't get served. To be fair, the prices weren't a problem. It was the fact you couldn't get served at Kings Meadow, which was mm. a joke. So you used to be able to get tins and then just stand on the corner and drink. And the food I thought at Kings Meadow was awful. So yeah. you most people would go to Fat Boys Cafe or. Mm. Go to and again, like the food at King's Meadow was awful, but then everyone used to eat that chippy, which was fucking rubbish. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. I just think maximizing profits is all well and good, but if people are not mm. actually buying it, then we're not maximizing anything. Yeah, what I will say though, I don't know if it was just because it was the test game or something like that, but the concourse was packed at half time, there was literally no space to move. So many people queuing up to buy food, beers. And it's exactly what I wanted to see. I wanted to see it buzzing because it was a good atmosphere being in the concourse at halftime. And it was good to see people obviously buying stuff, whether they think the prices are good or not. It was buzzing and um, it just gave it a really good feel at halftime. And I feel like it's definitely something that people are going to enjoy during the league games. And one good thing now is where before at Kings Meadow, where the away fans, we couldn't maximise any money from them. Once they're here and they're not going to be able to get out of their stand, yeah. if they're hopefully there's a bar behind their stand, their concourse, there is, yeah. Yeah. they're going to be spending fortunes. Can you imagine Sunderland coming down and Portsmouth and things like yeah. that? Fifteen hundred away fans in that stand, all spending shed loads of money, which we never used to be able to maximise before because we could only get ten or twenty of them in our bar. Mm -hmm. So that is another plus point that we are going to be able to maximise profits. Going back to the stadium card. I, I always thought the stadium card was going to give you priority tickets for league games as well, which isn't the case, which I was quite shocked about because I was going to get a stadium card because I'm not buying a season ticket this year because I can't afford one. But I'm not going to buy one if it doesn't give me priority to league games. It's only going to give me £4 off for a ticket, which to me isn't... Sorry, it's £5, £5 off for an adult ticket. It's not worth it, in my opinion, for, for myself. And I don't. I think that I've seen a few posts on social media saying the exact same. Mm. I think it's a difficult balance. And, and again, not to. I'm not going to try and harp on the same point. But the fact remains is, we, we we need to generate money. And like I said, we've come up with lots of different ideas. This is just another idea that if some people, for me, this is just an example. It's for me, it's almost like a token gesture. It's like a case of you can be part of it and, and support the club by giving. You can't come every week, but you know, for the equivalent of maybe one or two home games, you can pay this amount of money and you can do do whatever you can. If you're not with us, it's not right. But again, the club have just looked at another way of trying to earn some money, and, and I can't blame them in the, in the situation. The challenge is coming forwards. We're running out of with kind of the pot is running very very low in terms of asking more from the, the, the existing fan base um, which is the reason why after the stadium card and the 25 year thing that I saw the other day after that I think it's like the, look unless you're asking people to donate blood or donate something or you know drugged in on the side which obviously won't happen it's just it, it, we're, we're putting ourselves under a lot of pressure um, mm -hmm. and I think that's probably what the stadium card's about but it would be nice to if you bought something and contributed that you got a slightly better gig should we say than what you've just explained mm. I think I think we can't um, as a club afford to be sort of rigid on these things. So just because we set a price of food in the pre-season game doesn't mean that we can't change it because fans, you know, we are a fans club. It it matters what every single fan thinks about the price of the food, 
about the benefits you get from the stadium card. Just because we set it in stone at the start when we've marketed it doesn't mean that we can change it and say, all right, we listen to our supporters and we can change it. You know, I experienced it with the programme last season. We obviously have to do it digital, but then I put a survey out which supporters filled in and a lot of people said they wanted printed and we started doing them and sending them out to people. We need to keep doing stuff like that because if we don't do stuff like that and people are going to start sitting there and going, oh, I thought we were a fans club. You're not listening to us. So I think these are, and I, and I saw a thread on the Facebook group the other day, you know, I, I don't really comment on, on any of that. I just, I just, you know, read it from time to time. And I saw uh, Luke from Don's Trust sort of asking people for their opinions and clearly they're going to discuss it in the next Don's Trust meeting. And I think we need to keep doing that. But at the same time, don't just discuss it. If there's a collective agreement that something needs to change, we need to change it and not think about it too much. Yeah. Um, that way everyone's happy. And, you know, if you keep people happy, they're going to tell their mates and more and more people are going to come to Powell Lane and watch Wimbledon. That's, yeah. That's what we need to do. I get it. And the next point we've got to say, like the general sale, what about if the tickets go on general sale and someone's away or something, someone's working and busy and they didn't realise that the tickets gone on general sale, you've got your stadium card, but now you can't get your discounted price because we're sold out. And people would just say, well, that's just one of the things. It's too much. But is it not the fact that we should just say, right, you've got a week now or a day. You've got one day to get your stadium card. People with stadium cards can get priority tickets for the general sale now because some people might not be able to go to games. And then, but they have a week free or something. Or something happens and they go, right, I can now. I can go to that game. Well, I've got a day to get my ticket. I can get it. Then it goes on general sale. To, do you know what I mean? And, and I just think the stadium card should be offering a little bit more than just a five-pound yeah. discount to a game. But at the same I mean? time, though, are we are we genuinely concerned about people not going to get a ticket for a game this year? I mean, I'm being realistic. I know it's... I mean, I know the stadium's got to be, what, 10,000. I, I love Wimbledon, and I'm very patriotic about it, but I, I don't see us, apart from the very, very, very beginnings of Saturday days, where it could be absolutely to the rafters. I'm, I'm, I'm fully expecting there's going to be availability 98% of the time. Would that, would that be fair, or am I being... I, I don't know. I think you could be right there, Danny, but I'm also in this thing that people haven't been able to go out for 18 months. Uh, people are gagging to go football. Wimbledon fans, obviously, can't yeah. wait to go to Plough Lane. Away fans will want to come, other than the Burton games and things like that, where they've, they've got, they're not going to bring many fans and stuff. I can see the local community getting jumping right on board and coming. Look, we had 4,000 the other day, and not, most of them weren't Wimbledon fans. A lot of them were groundhoppers. They were really? people... Yeah, there was mm -hmm. loads of people I saw on Twitter that that don't follow the club, that got tickets to go and see a brand new mm. stadium. People love, I'm, I'm a bit of a groundhopper myself. People love football stadiums. Mm. They will go just to see a brand new stadium and take photos and stuff. And I think mm. if, if we start the season right on the playing side and we get the prices right off it as well, we could really get the catchment area and get some new fans in. And that's why the flip side, sorry, Chris, I'll just come to you. Right. We've got to the general sale is that if we want to open up to the wider community and say to people that are, say, Chelsea fans or Arsenal or Man U are a bit detached from them, come down to your local community club, watch Wimbledon. We have to have a general sale as well. But we could also sell stadium cards at £30 a pop and say, buy a stadium card and that will give you a priority for a ticket for, for Milton Keynes, for example, or Sunderland or Portsmouth. I just... Yeah, that's my. We we have to get new fans in. I I, I really think we could <laughs> fill that place quite often. Yeah, what I was going to say is, um, it's funny you mentioned like saying uh, there are a lot of people there that haven't necessarily been to a Wimbledon game before or didn't go much before. 
two examples of it. <clears throat> I read on Twitter um, someone saying that there was a lot of people who were drinking the Alexandra pub who were like really up for buying a season ticket and stuff like that. Um, I know a lot of Wimbledon fans drinking there, that kind of thing. So clearly it is spreading. And then I also met a chap who lives in Tooting. Um, we were just outside the corner pin, just having a chat about the game. And he said, oh, yeah, like, as soon as I saw you moving back to the borough, like, I was I was buzzing with it because it meant I could come and watch football for an affordable price. Like, he said, you know, I, I don't have a season ticket at any other club. But just knowing that you guys were coming to the area and being my local team, it sort of drove him to come down, even if it was for just a friendly with 4,000 fans. And he was buzzing about it. And he said that he loved the atmosphere of it. And, you know, it wasn't a particularly loud, loud atmosphere, but he's saying that now. It'd be great to hear what he thinks after the Bolton game. And, and it, you know, <laughs> it's just little things like Chris, that. do you know how many season yeah. tickets we got? Do you know roughly what the number is? Or are we talking 20% of the stadium, do you reckon? 2,000? Is that I'm fair? pretty sure... Someone said it was over five thousand, but that was a couple Whoa, of weeks ago. That's half. Yeah, I don't, I don't know exact figures. I didn't realise it was that big. Wow. Yeah. That's what I mean. If that's, that's five thousand season tickets, you think a lot of clubs are going to bring a thousand, eight hundred to a thousand. Particularly the first season, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So we then and, and and we will get people coming down. I do. I, do. I said the, the the only worry I've got with General Sal is it's not so much now like Bolton and stuff because you can pin that to one area and go, right, there's loads of people from Bolton buying tickets in the home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can kind of... But when we play teams from London and stuff like Charlton, Charlton will want to... They'll, they'll sell out the away end, that's for sure. Hmm. How do we stop Charlton fans then coming into the home end if it's on a general sale? You, hmm. You're not going to get... And then you're going to have problems inside the ground that our stewards then going to have to deal with and stuff yeah. like that, which we don't want that to happen. That That's my... Because hmm. I said, general sale ain't a big deal for me. I, I, don't, I do think... No. The stadium card should get priority. Maybe don't trust members, but we have to get new fans in. We have to. That's just going to mm. keep us going for the long term. But how mm. do we stop away fans buying tickets in home ends? And that is a big worry. Like, it's got to be a worry of the club as well. I think it's a problem that's so hard to snuff out for any club, yeah. really. Um, you know, thinking about it, the logistics of it, it's not like you could... Um, I, I get what you're saying. If loads of people from a Bolton postcode were, were buying tickets, then you'd be like, oh, okay, that's what's going on there. But say if it's just like the odd one or two, do you just cut them off and just say, no, you're yeah. not be able to... You know what I mean? Like, but they're so Wimbledon fans it. who live in Bolton. <laughs> it's like yeah, you can't... well, yeah, it could be, yeah. That's the thing. You, I think you're always going to have that problem. Um, and, you know, as you say, there could be trouble in the ground if there's an away fan in the home end and it kicks off. But I think you're always going to get that problem with football because... You know, us three know what it's like. Football's always a hostile environment, especially if you're playing in a big game against one of your rivals or, you know, I wouldn't even call them rivals that up the road. You know, it's always going to be... You know, <laughs> they're not rivals, man. Yeah, they're, you can't even mention them, you know, in the same breath as the rivalry with Charlton. But, yeah, like, you're always going to have that problem. So it's, it's just like, how do you combat that? It's, just, uh, it's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough... Yeah. It's a very tough one for the club to deal with. Yeah. I just hope we don't have the same outside security stewarding that we did at Kings Meadow because they were, I know you're not meant to stand up at football and stuff. And I know the South stand's going to be standing, but it's football at the end of the day. There's an atmosphere to be made. Bolton is going to be electric. We get that. That's you ain't, That's going to be the whole, but after Bolton, we still have to make it as the club have said, and as the players are saying, it's our fortress now. Mm. And we don't want people coming to our fortress and trying to turn us over. Yeah. So we just, I don't hope the stewarding is going to be 
on point really i know it's again it's a tough one but i just mm. want to stand up sing sometimes do you know what i mean just cheer on the boys and i'm in the east stand but i think we'll be all right but yeah so right move we'll move on uh, and when we come back we'll have some questions from fans uh, and we'll give our honest answers So next up is a new feature for the podcast and it's uh, Honest Answers. Uh, so we had some questions from fans. I've picked, I was going to pick one question from one fan, but we had quite a few, so I picked three. So first one's from James Knight and he's asked, has moving to Plough Lane and putting us in debt damaged our chances of retaining our League One status? Um, honest answer for me, short term, possibly long term, no. I would have thought short term with the, with the incredible, with all the, all the change in the move and the extra cost that potentially that there's obviously, I, I presume the plan budget may have to have be affected in the short term, but I think long term it's got a good opportunity to help us move forward. That would be my honest answer. I, I think um, what I'd say to James is you have to look at what we've just done with the Broncos. I think, I think that hasn't really been talked about much since it, since the agreement was struck. Would we have ever got that opportunity if we stayed at King's Meadow? Not a chance in hell, you know. There's not even there wasn't even enough room to sort of expand King's Meadow if we ever thought of staying there. Obviously, we never intended to stay there. We always wanted to move back to our home. And also, you've got to take into account we can now fit nine thousand three hundred people into the ground, and we were pretty much, you know, okay, not for every game packing out King's Meadow, but for most of them we were packing them out. And now we've got the potential to potentially pack out a stadium that's twice the size of that and also has the potential to expand to 20,000 eventually if we go up the leagues. So I think we wouldn't be showing any ambition and we wouldn't be being Wimbledon if we stayed at Kings Meadow and didn't look to progress. And yeah, you, you talk about the debt. I understand that, but you're always going to get debts. Manchester United are £400 million in debt. Yeah, fair enough that they have rich owners. We don't. But at the same time, we've made this decision that you need to take a risk to get rewards. And I feel like we will get it eventually. And I think you'll probably change your opinion and, and think, yeah, we will write completely right to go to Plough Lane. But yeah, that's that's why I have to say on it. Yeah, I, I again agree with both of you. I agree with what Danny said there. Short term, maybe, yeah, we have put our League One status at risk, but long term future is 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 needed. And I think when you look at Kings Meadow and you look at Plough Lane, Kings Meadow is a non-league stadium. It yeah. was awful for away fans to come to, not just to be in, but actually getting there is a nightmare. Even for Wimbledon fans, it's just getting the one through one bus and there's roadworks or something take ages. The trains ain't running and then you have to get the bus and stuff. And it was just, a, logistics of it was a nightmare, I find. Uh, Plough Lane is going to elevate us, I think, to a new level uh, with the hospitality and everything that we can offer now. And, and, and I think with Plough Lane, it's actually going to bring in, as we've seen with McCormick and Marsh, a better standard of football. Because if you take them around Kings Meadow and say, this is where you're playing football, this is where your friends and family are going to sit. And after the game, you're going to meet some of our fans because they're going to be in the President's Lounge, so drunk out their head, they're going to fall on you and spill pink tequila over you. They're going to be, oh, great. Where you go, now you're at Plough Lane this is where your friends and family are going to sit. They're going to have their own private restaurant area, their own private bar area. Do you know what I mean? Not some players and their families love mixing with fans. Some really don't. 
And I think that's the difference as well. With standard of players that we can sign now, you take them around Plough Lane and say, look, this is where you're playing football. This is the facilities of Plough Lane. And this is for your friends and family. Totally different to Kings Meadow where they literally are sitting on plastic seats. They go into a small little presence lounge. And I was in the bar after with a lot of the friends and family. And I can't remember most of that. So God to think what they thought of us as well. I so. wonder though how long... I, I, forgive me, I can't remember the, the guy's name. And it's a good question, to be fair. James Knight. James, I just wonder how long it will be to when we get a point where we can put an amount of money into the playing budget that will make our, our time more comfortable. Because let's be real here, I'm not. I, I, my prediction for the season is, is almost rinse repeat, to be honest. For this season, I think it will be slightly more comfortable than last year. But I, I think we'll be between 14th and 18th. And, I th- and I'll be delighted with that. Staying up for me is part one, but I'll be fascinated as to what point we as a club get enough money in and we can move to a point where, where we can elevate that with, not just with aspiration, but with with personnel. But for me, I'm delighted where we are and I'm absolutely over the moon and the ground was fantastic today when I went to see it. But I'll be interested at what point, how long it would take us to get to that point. That's what would be interesting, which is where he might have slightly alluded to in that question. Hmm. I think I think one, one other thing that... Um maybe James sort of overlooked when making this sort of assessment is, you know, the club didn't predict that the first season that we moved into the new ground would be yeah. uh, when yeah. a pandemic came about, you know what I mean? Like we lost out on so much revenue and, and money coming into the club in that first season. And we sort of had to start from scratch uh, this season. So, you know, you have to take that into account as well when you're talking about depths and stuff like that. I think, um, Debts are always going to get incurred by football clubs. Um, it's all about how you're going to be able to pay it off. Look at Arsenal with the Emirates. They took a risk going there. They had to sell a big player every other season. But eventually they paid off that debt. So I think it's okay to take on debt as long as you can manage it right. And I feel like we can. Like I have, well, I, I certainly have faith in the club to be able to manage it. And, you know, God God, God hopes that um, they, they do. And I'm sure they will. So, yeah, I get, I get what he's saying. But... You've just got to take all of the factors into consideration when you're making an assessment like that. Well, our second question kind of links into what we've just said there. It's uh, from Michael O'Reilly. Uh, are undisclosed fees consistent with supporter ownership, especially when our debt levels mean that these fees have very little impact on the size of our transfer kitty? Who wants to go first there, going Danny? Oh, no, go on, Chris. I went first last time. Go on, you That's all right. Um, yeah, no, what I was going to say is, well, at the end of the day... It depends on the selling club as well or the buying club, whichever way around it is. You know, we may want these fees to be undisclosed, but if there's a legal agreement in the terms of the contract, which says we can't disclose a fee or they can't disclose a fee, you know, there's nothing we can do. It doesn't matter if we're a fans club. This is a completely different level. This is about transfers and about the laws of football. I mean, I don't know how long that law's been in place, but as far as I'm aware, undisclosed fees have been around for years and years and years. So just because some of us as fans might want to know the money involved, fair enough. You're always going to have that curiosity because you want to know what your club's getting out of the deal. But I think you have to respect that there are rules and regulations that we have to follow whether we like them or not. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to say on that one. I think with undisclosed fees, well, let's be honest, guys, we've got no idea how much people are worth. We are football fans who go and watch a game of football. We spoke in that little break about how much Cox is worth. I ain't got a clue. I couldn't tell you if it's 100 grand, if it's 14 million. It's subjective. And also, value is not based on how good a player is. Value is how much is it worth to the to the club that wants them. 
and for the club that he's selling. So value is completely subjective and it's difficult. And yes, it would be lovely to know at some point, just for our football acumen, if you like, to know, well, actually, this is roughly what we're looking at. But I think sometimes we have to pander to the people that have got the qualifications that are working in it day in, day out. And also, if, if, if we're looking on the market for a forward and they all of a sudden know we've got a little bit of dosh in the pocket... We, it's obvious as soon as Kane gets moved or Grealish gets moved the price for the next four goes up 10 million we all know that so mm. it's sort of um, yeah that's me anyway go on Lee yeah I, this, this, I think this question comes from obviously the Cox transfer and there was a there was stuff on social media regarding undisclosed fees and should we as owners uh, be told what they are and I said no I don't think we should be told because we have a board in place and a CEO in place who's doing that job for us and there's Chris has alluded on it. It's part of the laws of the game. And I think it's been in the game since I've been following it for 20, 30 years now that undisclosed fees is one of the things. And again, I'll make you right there, Danny, regards to its subjective. Is I saw something the other day. Is Harry Kane worth 100 million? Possibly not, but to Spurs he is. Is Mbappe worth 120 million? No, but to PSG he is. Is Cox worth a million to us? Possibly, you know what I mean? Like, did we get that? We don't know. At the end of the day, we will know what we get for these players because we have to do accounts which are open, I think, to all us fans or yeah, owners. I love it. Hmm. I love it when we, we, we want to be owners when it suits Wimbledon fans for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and every decision has to go through every single fan. Hmm. No, we, we appoint a board. And I know we've had some weak boards in the past, but we have got a good board in place at the moment. Let them do their job. I like what people are doing at the moment. I, uh, Luke McKenzie, I don't always agree with him. And me and him have our different views. I like the fact that they're on social media asking us what we think of the ground and stuff like that. They're trying to engage with the fans to get a better idea. you know. And, mm. and as I said, he, I could say, I think we should paint the whole place pink. But Lee, he'll say, that's a stupid idea. But at least he's asking that question. Yeah, and I think what people will need to remember is, uh, you know, the players involved in these deals as well. You wouldn't go up to your mate and go, oh, so what do you earn <laughs> at your job? You know what I mean? Like, there's no sort of privacy when you're a footballer. I know our lads aren't exactly the levels of Harry Kane and Kylian Mbappe, but you see reports in the press talking about what ex-player potentially earns and stuff like that, and it's it's sort of invasive of their privacy. Like, 100%. are we going to be asking the Dons Trust to, to make sure that we get to hear what all of our players earn a week? Like, you know... How far do people want this uh, sort of disclosure? Want to, like how far do they want it to go? You know, there has to be a limit, and you have to respect people's privacy as well, and respect the privacy of um, the organisations that have governed football for years. So, you, you've been listening to Talk Sport too much, mate. That's what you've been listening to. That was nah, on the, uh, that, that was Simon Jordan and uh, that what's his name? Oh, the Scottish geezer. Oh, is that what they said? They were, really talk, they were talking about, yeah, like you would not go up under social like fees. You would not go up to someone outside work no, or wouldn't. I wouldn't ask you, what are you getting paid at your job? Because you'd say it's none of your business. Do you know what I mean? And, and fo- football's just, <laughs> football's a mad game that the only, it's the only game in, in the world, I think the only job in the world that you can get sacked and still get paid for it. Mm. You get paid out to get sacked in football. It's just, it's a mental game. But yeah, I don't think undisclosed fees. Regarding Mike's, point about the transfer kitty I think we're in a huge debt because of the stadium which is going to elevate us further like we just discussed previously I don't think we're going to have a great transfer budget and I just think with what Robbo's doing I think he's doing everything that we needed to do for years 
get our good young players on good long-term contracts. If they make it, brilliant. If they don't, it's not going to cost us fortunes to find out. Uh, and I think like with Pig, we, we, we moved Pig on. Okay, we didn't get a fee for him, but he would have been on quite a nice wage at us. And that wage has probably gone on to two players in, say, Marshall McCormick. So we've got two players for the price of one. I just, yeah, transfer kit is always going to be low in my opinion, and we have to just mm-hmm. deal with that. For the, I don't like using budget as an excuse because it's all about heart, talent, and what you put on in that pitch. Mm-hmm. So, right, final question is from Jay Watson, and this is regarding players. Which signing will be looked back on as an epic signing, and which one will be seen as a flop? So I'll, I'll go first because you two have done it already. I've already called him out. I think George Marsh is going to be unreal for us. I think he's going to be a real fan's favourite. I think he'll do really well. He, he get, I think every time he goes on that pitch, he'll give 100%. Again, it, quality might not always be there. And that is with every single player. That's why they're playing in League One and they're not premiership footballers and being released by top clubs. But I think we'll get 100% from Marsh in pretty much every single game we'll play. Very similar to Dobson. Uh, and I'm quite happy with him. And I think flop-wise, I think Presley, unfortunately, is going to be a flop for us. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he goes and bangs in 35 goals uh, and he shuts me up. But I just I don't see him being good enough. He's no force. <laughs> He's no force, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to call any players, say any player's going to be a flop because for obvious reasons. Um, but for me... Um, just touching on what I said earlier, McCormick, so impressive in pre-season. And uh, I like the way, not just what he does as a midfielder, but what he does in his movement as a player. He was drifting into wide areas and stuff like that, which I haven't necessarily seen from teams in years gone past. Um, you know, he sort of had something different. And I think the fact that we, we got him for virtually nothing from Chelsea at a very early stage of his career shows that we sort of have that pulling power to bring in a player of his talents who can develop further and and I think best of all is he's generally delighted to be here like he has such an enthusiasm for the club um, I think he was even asking about B-Lag and what they sort of do for the club uh, someone was telling me so we're really excited by him and um, yeah I hope I hope Presley proves you wrong as well Finchie so yeah we'll see I think Lawrence will be good and I think he'll play right back and I think he'll start and I, I'm, I wasn't overly I thought Shay Alexander was 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 adequate. I, I don't think if he, if he, if Lawrence isn't fit and and Jay plays, I don't think it's an issue. The one I'm really fascinated with actually is all it's going to be like a new signing is the Hartigan thing, because when we spoke about last year and there was a loads of interviews with Tuvi and they were talking about where Hartigan plays and he's not a holding midfielder. Where is this guy going to play? Because if I mean, and that's going to be the thing for me. And I'll, I, I I'm. I'm not too sure that Presley is going to be a flop. I think he'll be all right. I don't think you score 25 goals and, and you're crap. I think you'll be all right. But it'll be interesting to see who comes in from other places. But I'm, I'm Hartigan is the one that I'm. I just can't see there being much change. Mm. And that with Hartigan, really yeah. interesting. With with Hartigan when he was in the academy, um, they played him further forward and he hit double figures from midfield. So clearly he's got the. I know, obviously, completely different level to League One, but he's clearly got the potential to sort of impact things in that area of the field. Yeah, definitely. Um, I saw him in recent pre-season games, like, and I've always thought about Hargan. I think he can pick a pass. Um, I think 
what what people sort of got bogged down with with him is criticizing him for not tackling and, and not tracking back and stuff. But you know, if he's not that kind of player, if he's not used to playing that position, and people still forget he's not that old and he's played something like eighty league games for us already, and people sort of get bogged down with sort of criticizing him about something that isn't part of his game. I think it's the same with Paul Pogba. You know, not not saying they're on the same level, but. With Paul Pogba, people expect him to score a hat-trick every week because of the money that Man United spent on him. You know, I think we've just got to be realistic and, and sort of recognise what players are good at and not sort of say, oh, you're not good at that. You know, uh, it's a big season for him, though. I massive, agree. massive season for him. The, yeah, the I... Newport loan was a good experience for him. And, um, yeah, wish him all the best of luck. Let's hope he nails down a spot, starting spot. See, I don't think he won't. He definitely won't play defensive midfield for us now that we've got Marsh and Woodyard. So hopefully we see him in an attacking role. And, and Robbo did say that he did score double figures as well when he was with him. So I just don't know who he gets in front of at the moment 100%. with Asel McCormick uh, and players like that in front of us. But I'm glad I'm not. I'm you two have bottled the one decision of picking a player that you think might flop. I picked Harkin. I've just I've, I've just called it. Well, you thought Harkin will flop? Yeah. Right, I, just, right. I don't know. Oh, no. I don't. We've we've had such a hype of him coming back, and I just don't see him getting on the pitch. I thought I was the only one who was actually going to give an honest answer then, but Chris has bottled it because we know he has to. <laughs> but really, he's but... nice though, Chris, isn't he? We like yeah. him. Though. He's all right. Yeah, he gets sacked uh, every. If he, uh... you, you know what? Every every player should, deserves a clean slate at the start of the season. Um, you know, whether whether you're a fan or we work for the club or whatever, like just give him a chance. Like, don't. I I, I really don't. I know it's going to happen. But I really don't people want people to judge a player um, after five games or something like that. Give them it to, to at least halfway through the season. Give, give them to half time, mate. Eh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah exactly. You know what I mean? Like just because they do have one bad game doesn't mean they're a bad player at all. Um, but yeah, let's hope let's hope for a really positive sort of feel amongst the fan base and stuff like that, and and sort of get behind these players. They're all young players. Um, a lot of them play, obviously didn't even play in front of fans last season, so if we can get behind them and especially at Plough Lane, create that fortress feel, we yeah. like, can drive ourselves onto the next level. See, so, George, if George Marsh listens to this, he's going to be shitting himself because last year I picked Jack, uh, Zach Robinson as my uh, standout player, get 100 goals if he plays in there. Well, he's yeah. our third choice forward, mate, so he's already <laughs> been promoted up once. He's not getting a sniff at the moment, but... Uh... Yeah, I, I said on, I, we put out a tweet the other day that we're very excited about what's happening at the club at the moment. It's a very exciting time to get behind a very young, exciting team. And I really think we can do something next season or this season there. Uh, time will tell, but yeah, hopefully we will. But uh, well, that's it for today. And uh, boys, thanks very much. I'm, I'm glad we're back. The, uh, it's been nice to have a chat thanks about London us. again. Really and, uh, it. I can't wait yeah. for the season. Hopefully it'll be a, a positive podcast this year. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Wombles Dream and on Facebook at the Wombles Had a Dream. Get involved. By the fans, for the fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.